0: Saturday, we had a Zoom call with some friends, and they'd sent me a bottle for my birthday, Mm -hmm. which I I, I quite like rum. And it was a pineapple and grenadine rum. I tasted it, and I thought, "This is a bit odd tasting." Pineapple, Um, pineapple and grenadine. Yeah. When I looked at it, it was it was called a pineapple grenade, and (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was fucking sixty five percent alcohol. Jesus. And you're, like, you're, I
1: got killing COVID as you drink.
0: Uh, it. Oh, Jesus. And I, I got absolutely twatted. And my friends and my wife haven't well, my friends haven't seen me like that in a long time, and neither has Zoe. But yeah, Sunday was just a total rile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I barely
1: moved. So you had a you, you had a Halloween three moment? I did. Oh <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. Alright. Okay. Here we go. Hello, everyone. This is Frank Riker. And this is Darren Sands. And this is the Slaughtered Lamb Podcast. And today we're going to be discussing 1981's Escape from New York. New York, 1997.
2: The entire city is a walled maximum security prison. The bridges are mined, the rivers are patrolled. And the United States Police Force has everything under control. down. I'm going in. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The high adventure of the future. One man must go in where no man has ever gotten out. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The greatest escape of them all is about to blow the future apart.
1: So, Darren, your memories, your fond memories, your first experience with Escape from New York. Oh, a lot of fond memories with this one, Frank. I think I saw
0: it on TV the first time. I missed out on it at the pictures. At the the pictures? At the pictures. That's what we used to call the... um, the movies in the UK when i was a kid i missed out on it at the cinema and yeah i saw it on tv on the first time it was broadcast on television i remember it was quite a big thing you know there were lots of trailers building up to it and i didn't know anything about it to be honest all i recognised was the fact it was john carpenter and uh, i was a huge fan of halloween and the fog at that point so so yeah it was it was exciting to to see it the
1: first time and yourself i never saw escape from new york until the early two thousands, if you can believe that. Wow. My first experience with any Kurt Russell film was Big Trouble Little China. And then the only time I knew there was an Escape from New York movie was watching Escape from LA. <laughs> and I was like, this is shit. It's complete and utter horse horse So my father said, you gotta watch the you know the first one. I said it can't be any worse than this. He goes, nah, the first one's fantastic. And he said it's, a, it's called Escape from New York. So he rented it for me from Blockbuster uh, video, the, an old defunct you know rental store we had over here. and I was like, where that why, why couldn't I have seen this earlier? And maybe because I was thinking John Carpenter was nothing but horror you know scary movies and everything. Yeah, I never uh, saw it until that late and you're talking to Jesus like 20 years I've waited you know to see this movie but had to go through. A shitty movie to find it which was fine but uh yeah i love this movie it's so different than what i've known john to do yeah yeah
0: and what an underwhelming experience experiencing um you know getting to know snake Pliskin for the first time watching escape from la damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: and when i first watched it you know the opening music you know i was like that's john john's you know John's usually very simple. He's not, he doesn't have an orchestra in the back or anything like that. Um, when I heard that music, I automatically thought Day of the Dead. The opening hmm. music where they're going down to a downtown area and the soldier's yelling hello. And I'm thinking of that music. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like Day of the Dead. Um, but it's, it, was, it, was, it was good tempo, too, for a type of action movie futuristic action movie
0: yeah and it was i think it was the kind of first collaboration i think we talked about this last week that um john carpenter and and alan howarth pulled together for halloween three uh in 1982 but before that they'd already done escape from new york and it was kind of you know learning about it today it was suggested by um the editor that the two meet to see how they could get on i think Carpenter really wanted to do all of the score, but was really busy with everything to do with the movie. It was his biggest budget movie that he'd he'd had ever, a $5 million budget. And the editor suggested the two meet. And, yeah, they they sat there for an hour and a half, jamming together. And um, at the end of that, Carpenter turned around and said, well, do you want to do this or not? And, yeah, that relationship uh, was born then, which which spanned many movies, you know, right through to... You know the late '80s. It was a, a great
1: collaboration. And then this movie also has in the uh, beginning a lot of reoccurring uh, friends of John. You know, but this is the first time that Kurt has worked with John. Is this the well, first movie? Kind of. I mean,
0: they but did. he wasn't a TV the first pick. M- they, they well, they did a TV movie together. The Elvis uh, in movie in the late in the late '70s. The Elvis movie where Kurt Russell played Elvis. Um, Kurt Russell was a product of Disney. Um, and it had been kind of, you know, like the Zac Efron's of this world now. He was he was this, the kind of 60s Zac Efron. And he came up through the ranks and met with John Carpenter and a, a, a kind of relationship was formed that lasted, what, five movies? So you had Elvis, you had Escape from New York, you had The Thing, you had Escape from L.A., you had Big Trouble in Little China. So, yeah, they, they worked a lot together. Setting the scene for this movie cannot be summed up better than how Jamie Lee Curtis does it at the start of the movie. The
2: once great city of New York becomes the one maximum security prison for the entire country. A 50 foot containment wall is erected along the New Jersey shoreline, across the Harlem River and down along the Brooklyn shoreline. It completely surrounds Manhattan Island. All bridges and waterways are mined. The United States police force, like an army, is encamped around the island. There are no guards inside the prison, only prisoners and the worlds they have made. The rules are simple. Once you go in, you don't come out.
0: So, so frank, Manhattan's a a high security prison. What a great concept. Yeah, it's a shithole. From what I can gather, not too dissimilar to what New York was
1: like itself back in that time yeah it was it was the only time you ever went to new york is just it was really for business and you were definitely going to manhattan the rest of it was just it wasn't a fun place to be in you know everyone who said uh, you know i'm going to the city because that's what we call it over here you know and on the try in the tri-state area the city it's it was it was crime all the time you heard on the news nobody went there but yeah so what a perfect setting from basically what's going on in our history. Was that New York was a shithole? <laughs> you know where else? Did, where else to make it? You know except for New York. So John picked that. That was that was great. And also with collaboration with uh, Mister Myers himself, Nick Castle.
0: Yeah, they wrote this back in 1974, I believe. Uh, the two of them, Nick Castle and uh, and John Carpenter. And then you know it, there was the offer to make the movie from Avco Embassy um, in around about 1980. And it kind of answers the question as to why Nick Castle wasn't involved with Halloween 2, because I think he was quite in, heavily involved in the production of this, which we're kind of filming around the same time. You know, he was, he was, he was on set a lot. Obviously, it was his script. Um, and, you know, he was also involved with uh, some of the music in the movie as well, particularly in the, um, the theatre scenes with, with Ernest Borgnine. But yeah, I mean, it, so the general plot, of the movie is that president is on his way to a peace summit when his plane's hijacked and um, the revolutionaries crash his plane into into New York, which as we know now is a is a is a penitentiary. And we get the United States police force, who is run by a guy called Bob Hauk, played by Lee, Lee Van Cleef, uh, calls in uh, a prisoner by the name of Snake Plissken, who's recently been caught for a bank robbery, and offers him a full pardon if he goes into New York, brings out the
2: president within 24 hours. S.D. Pliskin, American, Lieutenant, Special Forces Unit Black Blight. Two Purple Hearts, Leningrad and Siberia. Youngest man to be decorated by the president. He robbed the Federal Reserve Depository. Life sentence, New York maximum security penitentiary. I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world, war hero. Who are you? Hauk? police commissioner. Bob Houck. Special Forces Unit Texas Thunder. We heard of you too, Pliskin. Why are we talking? I have a deal for you. You received full pardon for every criminal action you've committed in the United States. It was an accident. About an hour ago, a small jet went down inside New York City. The president was on board. President of what? That's not funny, Plissken. You go in, find the president, bring him out in 24 hours, and you're a free man. 24 hours, huh? I'm making you an offer. Bullshit. Straight, just like I said. I'll think about it. No time. Give me an answer. Get a new president. We're still at war, Plissken. We need him alive. I don't give a fuck about your war or your president. Is that your answer? I'm thinking about it. Think hard. Why me? You flew the Gulf Fire over Leningrad. You know how to get in quiet. You're all I've got. I guess I go in one way or the other. Doesn't mean shit to me. Give me the paper. When you come out? Before. I told you I wasn't a fool, Puskin. Call me Snake.
1: But that's a catch. (laughs) There is. (laughs) The catch is that the uh, the American president's English. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. And nurse, and nurse Karen gets her revenge on Doctor Loomis by crashing
0: his plane. It is. It's um. It's it's nurse. Uh, what do they call her? Um, Marion. Yeah, Marion from uh, from Halloween. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she plays the revolutionary. Um, but yeah, so Donald Pleasance is placed into his egg on the plane before he, before
1: it crashes. It's like a red pod that he has to go into, isn't it? You know, and, and, uh, funny thing is that, uh, uh, an actual president's son is actually in this movie in the beginning, former president, Gerald Ford, his son, yeah, Steven yeah. is in this. Yeah. And, uh, it's so funny because Donald Pleasance can play a dick when he wants to. You know he's not this you know he's not this happy you know i'm trying to save everybody from you know either the devil or homicidal maniac what, what does he say you know he when he escapes before the plane you know comes down something to the effect of god protect me <laughs> yeah yeah you know, yeah. You know and, and god save you all you know if and he's watch like you know, over you all yeah yeah watch over god you save all. me and god save me and watch all over you all is able to now i don't know if that thing either flies down or it has to. He's in a pod that's protecting f- from a crash. You know, kind of like a, a seatbelt. It's not fully explained because
0: what you get is you you just get this kind of vector graphics sort of overview of the plane crashing into a building in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, and the pod you see eject. Now that thing does that bounce or? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big tennis ball. <laughs> It did, oh, does it? Just, I mean, because it must be
1: pretty painful inside that thing. If you looked at it, he, it had like styre, like some kind of like soft uh, gymnast mat or something like yeah. that. It was inside. Now, does that thing pry open? Can you pry it open? You would think he's the only one that's able to open it. Maybe he opened it <laughs> when he was on the ground. Maybe he
0: did. Maybe he did. But he ha- He also the president also has a, has a tracer on his arm, so he can be located. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when snakes. Um, offered the role of going in and rescuing the president, he's given a tracer too, a tracker um, that, that sort of where he can track down the president in in uh, New York. But the catch of, of of him going in there, there's one caveat that um, that he has to adhere to, which is the fact that they inject tiny bombs into his jugular veins uh, that will that will detonate within 24 hours if he's not back. Um, so, so he can't just go rogue and start a new life <laughs> in the prison. Um, he he has to actually come back out, and only if he comes out with the president will they neutralize the um, the bombs that they've implanted into his jugulars. So it's a uh, it's quite a tall order for him.
1: Well, he, he's Kurt Russell. He can do it. He's Snake Blitzker. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The one thing that did bother me about the beginning, though, is that. You know, first of all, the, every everything around in Manhattan is barricaded with 50-foot concrete walls. And anyone who escapes gets either shot or blown up, as we saw in the beginning with the, the raft and then the helicopter. And that's not the part that bothered me. Do we need Tom Atkins in this movie?
0: I'm quite happy for him to be there. It's not clear what his role is. I mean, his character's name is... Uh, Remy. Uh, Remy, that's it. Remy he's I don't know whether he's the deputy chief of police or, or what I'm not sure I know that Charles Cyphers is the um, the secretary of state and I know that obviously uh, Lee Van Cleef is the chief of police but we're not really sure what what <laughs> what Remy <laughs> what, Tom what Tom Atkins, Atkins do. he's just he's just the um, he's the token mustache candy? Yeah, yeah, he's eye candy. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's literally like three women in this film, and um, you know, not one of them comes into into the vicinity of Tom Atkins at all, which is probably yeah, and, uh, purposely
1: done. And, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, she stayed so far away; she was a, a voice because <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> she knew that you know she was probably going to be sleeping with him in a, in a future movie, which she does. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, uh, wait. The fog is what? Is that nineteen? Is that nineteen eighty? 1980? So yeah. So Jamie stayed away from Tom Atkins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, this was, this. Was, I think it's, it's down to what you said earlier, which is that Carpenter loves to have all his buddies around him when he's filming, and that's why you get you get Frank Doubleday, who was in Assault of Precinct thirteen, you get um, Kurt Russell, you get um, Dean Cundy, you get um, Charles uh, Charles Cyphers and Adrian Barbeau as well. Yeah. And and well, I'll, you he know he had I'll, to put her in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was his wife at the time. <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it, it's all that that kind of usual Carpenter family that are hanging out there
1: and making a film. Yeah, you know, and uh, kudos to Dean Cundy because they had to use a special lens for all the nighttime shoots. Yeah, it was, now, kind of, it was a new lens, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And for our audience, this was not entirely filmed in New York at all. It was filmed mostly in St. Louis, Missouri. But they had they had enough. Uh, I guess the the New York uh, police department or the film commission gave them enough time or all the time they needed to film Liberty Island as much as they wanted so you can't do that today you're not going to be able to have that much you know with the world it is today you're not going to have unlimited what do you call it, a limited access to a particular site uh, especially one of that importance in, in the United States
0: the, the reason why they picked um, um, St. Louis was did you did you know why, why they used that area because it was already a piece of shit. It, well, exactly, yeah. Because it was it was basically devastated by a fire in the late seventies. Yeah, yep. Uh, and it just looked like a complete hellhole. So, um, and you know, the the government hadn't pumped any money into that area, and so it it, it wasn't any sort of. A regeneration project that had taken place over those three years, and so John, these guys camped down there and threw more shit in the streets, and um, <laughs> yeah, they not to exactly, yeah, decided to make a, a movie, but they insisted they, they got permission from the um, from the from the local government there to to um, to have all the lights killed out in the area, ten blocks, um, yeah, they were so high. they got money yeah. for it. Yeah, they probably rebuilt the place with the money that they got from that film. So yeah, so... But anyway, Missouri, that's what... Uh, St. Louis in Missouri, that's what doubled as... Uh, as well. St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, St. Louis. Louis. So we we should actually talk about the, the start of this movie again, because there's a 10-minute segment, which I'm not sure whether you've seen, uh, which was m- removed from the movie... Um, and it was the... We just briefly touched on it earlier, which was a, a bank robbery with um, Snake Pliskin and some of his buddies where he mm-hmm. gets he gets caught in the act. Uh, it's actually a really good sequence, but they felt that it would make the character more credible if you didn't see him in that vulnerable position of being apprehended. Um, and so this whole 10-minute sequence, which must have taken some time to, um, to shoot... Um, was just kind of took out of the movie you know the movie would have been about 140 145 with this sequence in um but yeah they they lost it for the final edit but it's a good thing that they've managed to um they've kept it they've never actually put it back into the film as a kind of director's cut but you can see that sort of 10 minute sequence on youtube or on um on various dvds that have been issued but i kind of like that sequence and i would like to see it as a complete movie at some stage as, you know I do hope they do that but but I get why they removed it
1: yeah it's it's one of the reasons why snake is picked as hawk was reading his credentials you know the youngest person ever to be decorated by the president a couple other awards and everything and he this is basically a soldier that had had everything going for him he was part of a special operations force could have gone anywhere could have made general later on in his life if it but I think you could tell his attitude to authority because it seemed like he, this is a person, this is a soldier that doesn't agree the way the world is going. You know, it's he, he became disenfranchised, and I think that's why he he starts robbing stuff. Almost, he's almost like kind of um, I don't know, like an like an R rated Robin Hood, if you if you think about it. <laughs> he's you know? a, a, an anti-hero, for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he recognizes life through this yeah. movie, you know, but he I think, but he hates authority. Especially yeah, authority that's corrupt. He doesn't even want to go after the president, does he? He's like, fuck him, get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> president of what? Yeah. How's his answer? <laughs> president of what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the idea is for him to, to use a glider um, to get into New York um, quietly without being seen and land on the top of the World Trade Center so that when he does get the president, he can escape easy enough. By pushing the plane off the top of the World Trade Center and then gliding back to um, to Liberty Island, but there's issues with his incoming landing, and he overshoots, and the plane just kind of hangs over the edge of the of the Trade Center, and then he sets off. He leaves the plane and then decides to use his tracker and try and find
1: uh, the president. Yeah, he and he actually does find where the president should be, and it's in a uh, uh, it's kind of like a rundown theater, which is really burlesque shows and, and if you uh that's where we meet cabby you know ernest border nine for the first time you know who looks like he's a fun guy i don't know why he's in there because they don't tell you why any of these other people are in this this manhattan prison but he's like i've been driving this cab for 30 years you know I, I know where everything is snake you know everyone can't believe it it's like everyone heard of snake plissken and they all thought he was dead you know but they do find he does find the president's tracker doesn't he he does but unfortunately, it's attached
0: to um, an old bum, being beaten at the time, and so you you, you don't see his face. You, you know, you assume it's the president because the bum's wearing some sort of suit, and and Snake creep, creeps up behind him, disarms the two guys that are beating him up, and um, and then realizes it's some toothless bum <laughs> who's found the president's tracker, and that's when Snake realizes then that he is really, you know, well and truly fucked in terms of. How the hell am I going to find this
1: guy? So he's just—he's like, well, I got to go find where he is, and who tells him? Basically, Cappy tells him. You know, the Duke has him. Everyone knows the Duke has him. He goes around, and he starts looking, and then he finds—I think his wife—and <laughs> <laughs> then run does. down. You know, Kurt Russell's uh, former wife is in this movie. Uh, it was—I think—in the, in the novels, which are not supposed to be not canon to the move to this movie. Uh, but I believe her character's name was Maureen.
0: Yeah, a, she, well, uh, she, she's credited yeah. as
1: the girl in the Chock Full of Nuts. Um, yeah, uh, a in,
0: coffee in, in the credits brand. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> is that what it is? Because I never knew what yeah. that was.
1: Chock Full of Nuts is a coffee brand. It's a, and is that it, still
0: around today?
1: Yes. Yep. It is. Yep, it, ah, okay. Yep, it, uh, it, over here, co- coffee still comes in the tin can. <laughs> right. I don't know. They're still coming. they still coming. The tin can yeah, over it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, we've got fucking running water over here as well. Yeah, look at
1: that. <laughs> you don't have those candle lanterns anymore on the cobblestone streets. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so I'm guessing that Chocolate Nuts is something like a Starbucks or a yeah,
1: it's like there was a diner. You know, they used right, to be okay. able to go there and get your pastries and everything.
0: You, we've got this whole sequence here, whereas I mean, it, it kind of leads into the to the, the the sequence with Kurt Russell's wife, Susan Hubley, um, the girl in the chock full of Nuts, um, whereas snakes walking down the streets. I mean, it's obviously the the, the streets of uh, Saint, Louis. Saint Louis, Saint Louis, Saint Louis
1: proper, yeah. Saint
0: Louis, Saint Louis
1: proper,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden you get this kind of. Um, he looks like the chap from The Hills of Ice, doesn't he? He starts banging on manhole covers. And he, uh, this sequence here is kind of inspired by Night of the Living Dead, where all the crazies start coming out the ground and out the manholes and start rampaging through the streets. And, and, and that's when Snake actually takes, you know, um, he, he takes shelter in the, the chocolate nuts while all this is happening. So he's chatting away to, to Season Hubley.
1: Wait a minute.
2: I know who you are. Yeah, but I heard you were dead. I
0: am. He doesn't actually last long, does it? That sequence. No. no. She she oh. kind of asks him to take her out of there and, you know. She'll help him. Yeah, she'll help him. Um, but no sooner have they started chatting that the floor's bursting open and she gets dragged through. Yeah. Um, almost like something <laughs> out <of> some zombie
1: <laughs> film or something. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why they put that scene in there? Where the, that they call it the sexual tension scene. Just because it was his wife? I don't know. Well, there's no other females in the film apart from no, A.P.A. Well, yeah. is there? They didn't want... This is, this is what I've read, but how do you know how true it is? But it's one of those things that really pisses me off, too, by just listening to why they put it in. They didn't want to make Snake seem asexual. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want... I mean, but who thinks about that, you know, as soon as you see a movie? You know, like, I'm watching Godzilla. I wonder if he has a wife. Don't put it in there just to make something, you know, to prove to the audience that something that, that a character is supposed to be a certain way. But yeah, uh, Kurt Russell said, yeah, they put it in there to makes to make sure the audience knew that Snake wasn't asexual, that he had an interest in women yeah. or something like. Well, so we didn't need that. <laughs> Who cares? But there's a moment
0: within uh, and amongst all that. Um all that business there with Season Hubley and, and getting dragged through the floor where he's wandering around and he bumps into this guy who says, oh, nice boots, chief. Nice boots. Do you recognize who that guy was? The bum, right? Yeah, one of the bums. There's two bums. Yeah. There's, a, there's, there's the guy with the um, tracker on his hand and the, there's uh, there's the other guy. I, I I know his face. I don't know his It's, it's the Reverend from Halloween Oh, 4.
1: there it is. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh, Reverend um,
0: Jay... S- S- Sever? 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 Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's he's hunting something. <laughs> he's hunting something. Yeah.
0: The other interesting part of that sequence as well is that he's wandering through the corridors of this. Um, I guess it's some sort of department store or something. And there's there's a bunch of punks attempting to rape a young girl, and he just kind of leaves them to it he doesn't kind of intervene and it, it just sort of proves to you that he's not this kind of great American hero he, he just doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself that's all Yeah. he's just yeah. a complete narcissist and he just ignores that he just sort of thinks what the fuck I'm not getting involved in that and carries on I'm more bothered about me I'm not going to waste time on this
1: or you could think um, about it this way Darren you could think about he's a, he's a soldier on a mission everything else is you know it doesn't matter to him. He has a yeah, he, has, sure. he has an objective. Whatever whatever he saw, you know, is considered collateral. It doesn't it doesn't help his mission at all. Sure. So he's yeah, always yeah. still a soldier, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah.
0: Well oh, yeah, see, so so the crazy the craziest rampage everywhere and um Snake's making his escape through a polystyrene wall, which I always love that sequence, when he shoots that hole in the polystyrene wall and then jumps through it, and it just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just pushed it with your finger. <laughs> and then he sort of randomly shoots a kind of um, prosthetic handoff as well. I don't know if you remember that. With a grunt. Uh, <laughs> with a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he makes his way out of the building. You see, there's this awkward bit as well, where he kind of shimmies down a drain pipe, past a wall, gets to the bottom of the drain pipe, then scales the wall again.
1: Yeah, where he could just hop the wall there
0: yeah. <laughs> off the drain pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, he, he makes his way down a down an alleyway and is, he's picked up by, by Cabby and his uh, Molotov cocktails. But it's interesting, I've never actually thought about Cabby before and what why he's imprisoned. What do you think it is? What do you think? Do you think that Cabby was like some sort of petty crook in his younger days or maybe a groper or something like
1: that? I think it's either one, he got caught a lot of times uh, drunk driving. You know, because yeah, he is a cab a driver, fit. yeah. Or he ripped a lot of tags off mattresses before they were bought. Because <laughs> you know, how those mattresses don't don't remove, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know unless it's by consumer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I would like to. I would. I would like to think. You know, that's that's. <laughs> you know, uh, but I think it has to do with his profession. You know, he, he would probably drunk driving too much. You know, because now we're living in a society where if you do something wrong, it looks sounds like you automatically go into prison automatically yeah, without any yeah. trial. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah so, and he says, I've been doing this for 30 years, you know, driving a cab. But you don't know if he's been driving the cab for 30 years in the prison. Or, you know what? He could have been a, been a guy that got stuck when they were building the walls up. He didn't want could to Could have leave. been. That could have been it. Because yeah, that's
0: never really explained. No. Did they no. get everybody out first? Or did they just... <laughs> wall everybody in that was there we're building something um, we're
1: building a wall to keep you guys in and
0: Those treat everybody even, as yeah, yeah out. Try, they treat
1: everybody as criminals because as they said the crime rate rose 400% where does Cappy now take Snake to the one person who knows how to get to the Duke and that's a guy named Brain Harry Dean Stanton great guy right great actor character actor yeah. too you would yeah. see him from Aliens the first Avengers Christine. yeah Christine yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he was also a security guard in the uh, Avengers Infinity War movie. You know, given uh, right. given Hulk or, you know, Dr. Banner some clothes. I think he recently died, didn't he? I mean, Not he was a lot older God. than what he looked. Yeah, he was in he his was 90s. Longer. You know, he had a long career, a very long hmm. career. He, he was one of those Dick Millers of cinema. Yes. You yeah. know, always show up now and then and you're like, oh shit, it's Dick Miller. But, she, but he takes him to see Brain. And who answers the door but the, the lustful Adrienne Barbeau? Yeah, she looked great in this. Oh, that dress! Good old Adrienne Barbeau. <laughs> <laughs> John Carpenter's yeah. wife at the time. It One of his too... many wives. Yeah, yeah, uh, on, on set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she's a Maggie. She's a she's a street girl, isn't she? She's tough. Yeah, she is. That's a good role. Yeah. A good role for Adrian Balfour. Snake finally goes into, uh, which is, I believe is the uh, the New York Public Library. Uh, That's right. With all these books all over. And uh, he gets to meet Brain for the first time, who is not really a guy named Brain. Snake knows him from another thing, another another life, basically. Yeah, they, I think they've done a. a
0: job at some point in their lives and and i think um harold hellman is his name isn't it i think he double crossed him i think at one stage um so they've they got a, yeah 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 they haven't got a great relationship but you know brain is this kind of i guess you'd call him what a fixer
1: yeah he's he's probably the intellect hmm you know he's he reads if, if you're gonna be in a uh, like a mechanic. Or, or in that type of society, where are you going to find yourself? Probably at the garages, right? The uh, the the shops, yeah. You know, where there's tools to brain because he's so smart or knows that you know intelligence is a good thing to to have and to offer to a lot of people. Like uh, Cabbie says, he's the man who knows how to get the gas to run all the yep. vehicles. Yeah, and that's why the Duke keeps him around because he is that smart.
0: Yeah, so so Snake um, ends up threatening, uh, killing Maggie um, if Brain doesn't take him to to the Duke. And so they set off with Cappy and try and track down the Duke, which, luckily enough, he's... (laughs) He's in a bit of a procession at that moment in time. It just happened to be.
1: <laughs> just, just happened to be
0: in town. Uh, and they follow him to a railway station and an abandoned train where Snake kind of breaks into the abandoned train in and amongst a few little skirmishes and finds the president who's sitting there attached to his briefcase.
1: Yeah, and uh, in that briefcase we forgot to mention is something that the rest of the world... Or basically, maybe just the United States that wants to, that the that the United States wants to present to this summit. That's where the the president was going to go originally, uh, before it got, you know, uh, taken over and, and crashed. Was a tape on how to do some kind of nuclear fusion. Yeah, uh, it's which basically
0: was, going to prevent a nuclear war.
1: Yeah, I guess to where you are in Manhattan in, in the prison, no one cares because the the Duke wants the president to be their get out of jail free card to present him you know saying the only way you're going to get him out is for amnesty for all prisoners and we're going to walk out and that's why they really have him and the duke played by isaac hayes yeah who everyone will know as chef from south park
0: that's a little tight <laughs> <laughs> he's the oscar winning isaac hayes <laughs> For his for (laughs) for the for for Shaft, not Chef. Yeah,
1: (laughs) he did win an Oscar for well, it would have been a it would have been a uh,
0: an Emmy for Chef. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he did win an Oscar for um, for his music in Shaft in the seventies, which is really cool. But he's great in this, a great villain uh, with his little twitch. He's kind of this sort of almost like. Black exploitation character, um, yeah. kind of almost camp cowboy. Um, you know, he's driving around in his—he's uh, got his stetson on and he's driving around the streets with chandeliers on the hood of his bonnet and uh, snake uh, do you boots. Call it? Yeah, he's snake boots and everything. But yeah, it's a—he's really, a, he's a great villain and it's really a
1: recognisable voice.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they get the president back. As, as they move out of the, the train uh, carriage, um, the Duke and his guys apprehend them, and so Snake's captured. And this all leads up to a sequence which is pretty similar in, in, um, in tone to what we saw in Flash Gordon, which is almost like a trial-by-combat sequence. So They're like gladiators. Yeah, yeah. The Duke throws Snake in the ring with, with a, a seven-foot-tall wrestler by the name of ox baker who was this monster of a guy i think he was a a a wrestler in the 70s and early 80s yeah yeah professional wrestler yeah he didn't know how to um how to do uh, you know to do fights on screen at all he just went in there with i mean kurt russell looks tiny at the side of him i mean kurt russell's in shape in this film but he looks absolutely tiny at the side of him and this guy really did put Kurt Russell through the ringer. He was throwing him around and whacking him with these baseball bats. There's a sequence where the baseball bats actually have nails hammered through them as
1: well. Actual nails. Actual nails. Well, not, was, not the, not the uh, foam tip Flash Gordon ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: But what was really incredible about this, and I've never been able to figure out how they did the sequence where, they, where Kurt hits him in the back of the head with the, with the baseball bat with the nails in it. Apparently, he did it for real, but they put a block of wood on the back of the guy's head. <gasps> <laughs>
1: he, he was scared to death. He was. He, from what I understand, he was, he was a really gentle giant. He was a really nice guy. And he 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 knew the role, but that one scene, he was just like, I don't know if I I could fucking do this. That's coming, you know, it's coming awfully close to to my neck. It's killing me. Yeah, uh, everyone's like close to your neck. It's going to be in your neck. Yeah, but I I think it took. They wanted Kurt Russell to do it a couple times to make sure he got his aim right, and uh, he got it right.
0: (laughs) Oh. I don't, I don't know how I mean it's what's really clever is that you, you. it's done in a sort of profile way with Snake stood behind Ox Baker, and he swings the bat into the back of his head with the nails and it sticks and right, right. You, but you cannot I mean the guy's head's wide anyway but you cannot see where they've put the wood and how big the wood is and you know, I'd love to have known what <laughs> yeah I'd love to have known how big the target actually was because Great Cramble work
1: by Dean Candy. To try yeah, to that. yeah, that I was nervous when I first when I first read or heard about that scene and what it because I thought it was gonna be you know what what like foam like we discussed rubber or foam tipped and oh the real fucking spikes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't get me to do it but he was like all right I guess I'll do it and he did it <laughs> it's it's but even before that whole fight scene you know uh, Hawk thinks Snake is dead. They haven't heard from him and he won his match. Snake won the match and he reactivates his tracer, Snake's tracer, yes. you know, and they all know that, that Snake's finally alive. They 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 can calm down now. They don't they don't want to bombard, you know, lose a lot of forces by going into the city, going into the prison. And Snake's able to get away easily because uh it was found out that uh Brain took the present and he's gonna to want to get out.
0: The president's now at the stage where he's being humiliated by a chap called Romeo, played by Frank Doubleday. And Brain and Maggie come into the room. And one of them, I think Brain stabs Romeo, doesn't he? Correct. He yep. stabbed Romeo, and then Maggie shoots a uh, couple of the other guys in the room, and they grab the president, who at this moment has got a, a blonde wig on, so they're really humiliating him. <laughs> Donald Pleasant's in a blonde wig. <laughs> <laughs> so they've managed to capture the president from the Duke. Next follows a shootout on the roof, where they, they're aiming to get to the glider to get out mm-hmm. of there, but in this skirmish, the glider actually gets... Whilst they're trying to retrieve it, it gets knocked off the edge. And so they the only way out of um, of, of Manhattan is to use the 69th Street Bridge. So they make their way towards the bridge, and um, Cabby drives the four of them over there. Which four, is mine? Five. Yeah, it's mine, yeah. So you have Snake driving, you have Cabby sat, um, sat with him, you've got, and then you've got President Adrian Barbo. Maggie uh, and Brain in the back, and as you say, the bridge is mined. And they actually used a, a kind of a
1: really s- a small bridge. It's almost like a dog walker's bridge. because <laughs> yeah. you, you can't fit two cars at yeah. the same time through that. It's almost like a one-way bridge.
0: I just threw a load of trash on there and um, and, and a couple of burnt-out oh, cars. Yes. And, <laughs> and 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 then one stunt in the movie, which is the cab jumping, which you saw in all the trailers and all the TV, adver- TV adverts was this yellow cab jumping over nothing. It's just a purposely built
1: ramp <laughs> onto the bridge. <laughs> and, and the duke is chasing him, and when he j- jump, jumps over those uh, that ramp, his chandeliers still stay in place. <laughs> <laughs> what did I teach you? You,
2: you are Duke of no. New York, you're uh, a number one. I can't hear you. you. You, are the Duke of New York. You're a number one.
1: And then, you know, plus, you know, the Duke, while he's chasing, him, still has that nice little tick, you know, in his he does. face. He's, he's yeah, ticking yeah, right. in the camera there, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, when he saw that chasing, when he was uh, when he saw Isaac Hayes ticking, that was every, he laughed at every time he saw that because he was just he was he's laughing at his ticking plus him being so pissed you know that they, my dad loved you know uh, watching that part of that movie besides Adrian of course yeah.
0: <laughs> so they strike a mine they hit a mine the cab splits in two perfectly like it's just been sawn in half <laughs> one part of the cab goes one direction the other goes the other but unfortunately in this, uh, in this explosion we've lost dear old Cabby yep. uh, and it's Borgnine who's kind of slumped over the wheel bleeding and uh, they decide to get out and leave him and at this point Brain's got a map as to, where the, uh, as to where the mines are and he's telling people which way to run it wasn't a good map it wasn't a good map I think he had it upside down Because he he then steps on a mine and gets catapulted across the bridge and uh, that's the end of Brain.
2: I said jog right, asshole.
0: So we're now down to three: the president, Maggie, and and Snake, being pursued by
1: the Duke. Now, do you think Maggie loved Brain? Yeah, absolutely. She was given to him. It wasn't a you know Romeo and Juliet type thing.
0: The Duke. No, gave her, but it's kind of like a Stockholm syndrome thing, isn't it? I he, think he was a man of was... importance,
1: and I think she liked that. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And he generally cared for her.
0: She's that's devastated. the only si- that's the only real time when you see him show any sort of compassion is when she realizes brains dead, and he's telling her, "I'm going to save you. Come with me. Forget him." That's the only time when you see any sign of compassion or emotion from Snake. It's a really interesting
1: mm. moment. I mean, he also checked that is, to make sure Cabbie was dead. You know, yes, yeah. it, it seemed yeah. like, it seemed like even in the Chuck full of nuts, he tried to save you know the girl from getting. And I think it's because they showed him that there were still some good left in some things. Cabbie, you know, he was he was no threat to Snake. Of course, he was basically no threat to anybody. You know, he was somebody that helped uh, Snake throughout this mission. He, I think he, I think Snake, any was was a true sh- soldier when saying that anyone who helped him complete his mission, he thought he owed something to. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that for sure. Because he was, because uh, you know, because uh, with her, with Maggie being upset, brains dead, he wanted her to come along with him, didn't he? didn't he? Yeah, oh absolutely. He was, he's holding his hand out and saying, "Come with us,
0: come with us." But she loses the plot and decides she wants to kill the Duke and
1: gets. The most violent death. She gets squished between cars. She gives him a. She gives Snake and the President enough time to reach to the wall. You know, she sacrificed herself. I don't know if I would have done that, but I understand the whole. I cannot live without this guy. Yeah, I can. I can understand that. But they reach the wall, don't they? Snake and the President.
0: Well, just just before that. Oh, that's right. Is so there, there's a sequence where you get a close up of. Um, of Maggie's body on the floor, you know, covered, dead and covered in blood, and that was a reshoot, which um, which Carpenter did <laughs> in his garage. Yes, <laughs> obviously he was he was married to Adrian Barbeau at the time, and and he said, look, you know, people were questioning, did she actually die? I know because you could only briefly see her get hit by the car. He some sort of dummy, don't they? Mm-hmm. People uh, during the. Uh, test screenings were, were questioning whether she was actually dead or not, and so he went away and, and reshot this shot of her basically bleeding to death. And it's quite an image. It's quite a haunting image. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah. It, it's seamless. You wouldn't know if he hadn't have said that was my garage. You wouldn't have known any different. Your garage
1: is a piece of shit too? Because <laughs> 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 he just took like trash, you know, his cigarette. He action. just threw he trash. Threw him on his wife. Yeah. <laughs>
0: back end of a car on the floor you know that's it
1: get get under my uh, get under Christine there for a moment
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah then they they make it on foot across the uh, across the rest of the bridge and they get to the wall don't they
1: they do you know where there's the American for the uh, US forces are waiting for them. they get the president up there you know they they winch it onto a jeep get him up there Um, the Duke you know doesn't have a vehicle because it's slammed into Maggie non-operational, is still shooting, you know, at the wall. Kills a couple guards. Snake and him have a bit of a fight, because Snake was ready to get up there, too. president stops him, <laughs> <laughs> they have a fight, and what happens next? The president takes all of his fury out on the Duke, kills the Duke with the machine gun, yelling it- the, the most humiliating lines that he was supposed to say.
0: Yeah, in a a proper kind of Mr. Kinney-type sequence. (laughs) Yeah. He's pumping him full of lead. I think what what I learned about this today, which was really interesting, was that out of everybody on set, the only person that knew how to fire a proper machine gun was Donald Pleasance. He was a veteran. Oh yeah, he was a World War Two veteran that had been been a POW as well, been a, a, a Japanese POW, and was actually tortured too. Um, and when it was mentioned, you know, when it was offered to him, do you want to do you want to shoot this gun at this moment? He, he jumped at it; he couldn't wait <laughs> to
1: shoot my captor. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah. Let me do that. Give me that gun. So he, but the president uses Snake as, as the lure, kind of right before he yeah gets him up there halfway shoots Duke dead, yelling, lifts up Snake, and Snake falls down on the other side where they deactivate those little capillary or artery explosives. And the mission is complete. They got the president out. And the tape. And the tape. president starts to go live on TV
0: to address... Obviously, obviously he can't make it to the summit, so he has to go... Broadcast it live from Liberty Island. Is it Liberty Island? Yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, Liberty yeah. Island. Snake has uh, switched the tape to a, the American bandstand theme, which
1: he found in uh, in Cabby's uh, Yellow Taxi. The re- I believe the reason why he did that is because the president has showed very little emotion to the people that helped him, the people that died trying to help him get out. He doesn't even he- mention it, does he, until, no. until Snake...
0: Says to him, you know. I just wondered if you felt anything for the, a lot, you know, a lot of people died getting you out of there. How do you feel about that? And it's like, like, well, yeah. I want
1: to, th- I want to thank them as, as like they're still alive. You know, you can't thank anybody who, who passed away. It, you know, he's like, oh, I want to thank them too. Uh, um, do you mind? Uh, I'm going to be alive on. I could be. I'm going to go on live uh, television in two minutes. <laughs> and That's the reason why I think Snake made that choice because he's self-centered. He doesn't think yeah, about the rest absolutely. of the country, the rest of the world. It's about himself. And uh, he, what does he do to the tape? The actual fusion tape that could either save the world, harm the world, take one country, put it, you know, in a favorable position. He just ruins it. That seems to be the whole thing about his character. Is is that now one, not one side should have another means to enslave another side. And that seems to be the theme of his character. And what do you think about a, you know, this movie? I, I love it. I mean, I, 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 it's
0: something that I never get bored of of watching. I remember as a kid, I had a VHS with, um, with Halloween that I taped off the TV and then Escape from New York. They were both 90 minutes and they both fit perfectly onto a three hour cassette. And I would come in from the pub when I was about 18 or 19 And I would just lie back on my bed and press play and have it playing all night. And I had one of those VHS players, which when it it finished playing, it rewound the tape and played again. And I would just lie on my bed, drifting in and out of consciousness and getting up to check which part of the movie it was on and then just lie back down again. It was a comfort movie, wasn't it? It was, absolutely. Both of them are. No, I, I, you know, I was, I tell you something, I was absolutely made up when I heard that they were doing a sequel to this. I, um, I couldn't make my look out. I thought it was the best news I'd ever heard. Okay. And I went along to a preview screening of Escape from L.A. and I It was just like came a 20-year 20 year, 20 year gap, um, wasn't it? It would have been... Um, Fifteen years. So I think Escape from New York was eighty-one, and Escape from LA was ninety-six. I think mid-nineties it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't. I mean, there, it does have some decent moments. It is a remake of of Escape from New York. It's. I mean, the score's terrific. It's yeah. a great score. Uh, and then the and
1: music soundtrack ain't too bad.
0: But. And I like the whole idea of the doomsday device. Mm-hmm. And I love the ending, which is very similar to him kind of unwinding the tape in Escape from New York. in, 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 in Level the play. Yeah, yeah. In this, he just kind of flicks the switch and kills the power to the world. So it, it does have a few moments in there, but, it, I mean, it felt like it was made... The movie was made around wanting to sell action figures or something. It was rough. Because you had... Yeah, it was. And it, 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 the effects were terrible and... You know, you had Snake on a bike, Snake in a glider, Snake playing basketball, Snake on a windsurf, and it just felt like all all these different variations of Snake Pliskin that could have been CGI
1: water surfing with uh,
0: yeah, yeah, that, that, that could have been sold as toys or something. It's just it was just crap. So yeah, it was a huge disappointment. But you know, it doesn't matter to me because we still have Escape from New York, and
2: you know, it's water
1: surfing with Peter Fonda. or have plastic surgery from Bruce Campbell yeah you know with the makeup job on Bruce though that was pretty good though the the freaks you know the the selling body parts that was especially in LA you know which is known for their Beverly Hills you know cosmetic surgery that was probably the best part of the movie and what mm. a beautiful eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but other than that, the, like you said, the rest of the movie
0: shit. <laughs> it is. It is. And you know, the formula of the movie was exactly the same as the original, but they just placed it in LA. And rather than, you know, that gladiatorial matchup with Ox Baker you get in New York, in this you get some dozy, bloody um, basketball game where he has to dunk as many balls as he can within an allotted time yeah it's yeah. where's it threaten that see the, <laughs> you, you know they were talking about an escape from earth concept oh, for, for a while but you know I just think oh, no no I have I enjoyed some out. of the comics but I consider um, more, more so than people will shoot me for this I don't know if many people have seen this film but I consider a movie called Doomsday to be more of a um, unofficial sequel to um, Escape from New York than Escape from LA is a little. Have you seen more. it? More,
1: yeah, more gory too.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a that's a great movie. I mean, it's just an yeah. absolute love letter to to, to John Carpenter and, and Escape from New York. Uh, uh, it, you know, it's 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 Mad Max, it's Escape from New York, it's um 28 days late it's all these different films all rolled into one and and with a female badass with an eye patch
1: (laughs) escape from new york has certainly made its dent on pop culture absolutely cinema history i mean it was that was kurt russell's idea to put the patch on for those who don't know that eye patch is not covering up a deformed eye it's, it's covering up an eye that was I guess injured because of a defective helmet and is one his one eye is sensitive to light that's a uh, Kurt Russell said that there's no there's no damage you know it's just that it's a sensitivity to light issue because uh, when he was in a battle uh, some kind of pollution or a, a certain type of gas uh, damaged that eye because of his helmet it's certainly a movie that does still stand the test of time. I think it's on... If you're going to have to put a list of John Carpenter favorites for people, I think number one would be Halloween. And then I think number two is definitely Escape from New York. I think Escape from New York and Big Trouble kind of go back and forth. And The Thing? And The Thing. You know, maybe The Thing would be number two. Uh, but definitely Escape in New York is like top three. Definitely. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. And a great soundtrack. Another lean movie. You know, we keep yes. talking about the yep. fact that
0: the majority of the movies that we um, that we talk about, are, there's no bullshit with them. They're just straight in and straight out. Whether you want to talk about American Werewolf, whether you want to talk about Flash Gordon. Fly. What else we? The Fly. Total um, Recall. Total Recall. You know, all these movies, they just get on with it. You know, hanging around. It's just straight in and straight out. And next week... The same with another movie as well, because um, although it's slightly longer, it is another movie that there isn't much fat on, because it's probably one of the most action-packed movies ever made, and that's Die Hard. Absolutely. Actually, isn't this your first rated R movie? It is my first. Um, my first official rated R movie that I actually went and bought a ticket for, because the other ones, Predator and Robocop, I actually <laughs> went in the exit. Uh, and then got turfed out, but that's another story. Um, yeah, no, the, Die Hard was the first 18-rated um, movie that I actually bought a ticket for. So I'm really looking forward to it. I, I've never kind of listened to any commentaries or, or watched much, in the way, documentaries on Die Hard. I've watched a film plenty of times, oh, but I haven't yeah. kind of researched it. So I'm really looking forward to getting into researching it in the next week or so. But we're going to do it as a watch-along, I think, aren't we? Yeah, we
1: are. You cannot be bored of watching Die Hard enough. No, no. It's going to be fun. I think it's a perfect action movie. It's kicked off that
0: kind of phase of action movies that were proper action movies where it just they, they were quite relentless. You know, I can't think of a, an action movie before that, which is as maybe when you look at things like, I guess, Rambo and Commando and Red Heat and things like that. Delta Force. This one... Yeah, this, this one, for me, the scale of it was just something else. And it just had a look to it that was... Uh, it had a look to it and it had an amount of tension to it that I hadn't experienced in an action movie before. Um, it's, it's Delta Force. Well, what are
1: the classics? <laughs> <laughs> I love Delta Force. I'd love to do Delta Force on this. That would I, I be think, great fun. I, I think we would definitely do Delta Force after we do <laughs> the definition of '80s action movies, Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I can't good. wait. And, and we're going to have to have a discussion whether or not this is actually a Christmas movie. Yeah, are we going to? Sure. We, we're going to have to put this to bed. We're going to. We're going to settle it for the ages. Yeah. <laughs> so, everyone, as always, stick to the roads. And the best of luck.
2: Snake